Well, that was a nice rally. Why it lasted. The consolidation up there near 4,000. Not a consolidation anymore. We're breaking down. Down to the area we broke out from. I'm not too confident the Bulls can make a stand here at 39.30. And less confident that we can get back over 39.60. Searching for catalysts. North Korea missile, that happened at 1 a.m. I'm not sure that's it. I just think the market's tired. Looks like we're heading south. We'll talk about it with Cameron Dawson. She's coming on at 8.15 to give her assessment of the market. We got tons of earnings to cover. We'll try and find some positives in the market today. That's what we do on pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, guys, gals, we're we're just going down, down 40, 41 handles here at 27.50. Took out that major support at 39.60. So old support, new resistance. Uh, the buck, that's up 56 cents at 106.72. TLT down 94 cents at 100.46. Uh, let's bring out all the crude bulls uh, down a buck 77 and 83.22. I think we can take that uh 130 target off the table. Gold down 1340. Just been hanging up here too long at 1762 and a half. Silver that broke down yesterday. Now under 21, down 55 cents at 2098. Bitcoin somehow it's hold the steady in the 16,000 handle. Down 15 bucks at 16,270. Uh, Ethereum futures they're down 750 at 1180. So let's bring in Mitch and Triple D and. Uh, Triple D, I mean, you're searching the news. You're looking for, for different catalysts here. Earnings weren't bad. I just, uh, buyer strike here? Are, are buyers, are they just at, sitting on hands here? No really good support areas to step up at. Um, I think China overnight gets this hit here once again. They want their zero COVID policy. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, you just got to analyze what's happened. And I mean, this is what we've been talking about on this show, nonstop, taking heat from a lot of followers here. But I mean, we've had a big move. We've had a big run. We've had a lot of fun in October and November. The Bulls have been on fire. It was one of the best Octobers in years. Dow approaching, like literally with an 8% of an all-time high. What world are we in, man? What are, you, what are we in? I mean... We got interest rates climbing, inflation still rampant. You got war going on, and earnings are starting to contract here, and the consumer's going to get strapped. And yet, people are still willing to pay 18, 19 times earnings for this market. It makes zero sense to me. It's why I tweeted out right at the top, I'm back up to 45% cash. So, this last couple of days, I don't often get the top, but I was selling right around 4,000. So, I unloaded about well, I went from 35% cash to 45% cash. I sold a bunch of Qs. I sold, I, I don't, it was about five or six stocks. I sold a lot of recent ones. You know I sold AMD early. I sold the Unity mm-hmm. early. 
But I was starting to sell out just even some of my cues, which are longer-term holdings, because you know what? I just if you're buying them at four thousand, you're saying V bottom, and I do not believe V bottom. So I didn't get the top. I didn't know if I was getting the top. I thought there's room before four twenty. There still might be on spy, but now you're starting to get some technical damage here too. So now I think this you is got a people who are going to be selling rips. But but it oh, was yeah. predictable. This, this is like, a turn. We can look at technicals all we want, but logic has worked in 2022, and logic continues to work. The logic is sell the rips, sell the peanuts while the circus is in town, take the profits while you got it, because if you don't, what turns around and happens, which we've seen again and again and again, is this market takes them away for you. So, I mean, it's just there's certain markets where it's okay to chase. In 2022, you have lost a lot of money by chasing, and the chasers once again lose. Predictable. That's the only rant I'm going to have today. Now, 24 (laughs) minutes of this nice Can I short that? (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. That's that's why I stayed quiet. I was waiting for the next one. Uh, Let's get into it. The rant's over. That was it. It's all happy. We got snowmen here. Do you want to show? Hey, just on the side note, I just tweeted a picture here, Mitch. Show what I'm looking at. This is current. I just took this picture at 8 o'clock, right when the show started. So right, took a picture uh, outside my up, office. I'll pull it up. I, I mean, yeah, just start having, it. you know, triple D's, you know, just Twitter beautiful up. in my have area. Have it ready, you know? Yeah, I know. He's, I know you should have it ready. Cause I'm I should like, have I'm it ready. Like, like my Twitter come on, I should here. always have a window open with uh, he's going. He's triple D's. It. There you go. This is what I'm looking at right now. Outside. Currently, right now. Five minutes ago, I took that picture. This is what we're dealing with here. Is that four inches of snow on the ground. Does that lake freeze up in front of you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it'll freeze. Yeah, it'll freeze. <laughs> it'll freeze. <laughs> Free- Does it freeze enough for you to walk on it? Nah, I don't know about that. Uh, no, I don't know about all. Not yet. <laughs> January, February, rice skating out there. Right there, you're seeing the ice rink. That will be an ice rink. Hey. Come January, February, and into March. This November snow Love though. Love it. Not, well, you love it because you're not in it. I'm love looking it. at it like, holy cow, this has started already. My 10-day forecast, all snow. Well, there could know. be Built some more snow. The com- world. There could be some more snow coming because we just have a little bit of Fed talk today. There's going to be 10 Fed speakers having speeches today. 10. Wow. Uh, 10. 10 of them. 10. Yes. Um, th- I said that That's again. That's why Ten? we're selling off. Ten of them. That's you got, why we're selling off. Not you nine, got Fed Joel. Chair Jerome Ten. Powell speaking. You got Atlanta Fed's President Bozak speaking. You got Bullard speaking. You got Miser, Kashkari, Evans, <sighs> Bailey, Williams, oh Jefferson, Bowman. And I almost lost Holy my voice macro. there because it is not stopping today. The Fed will be speaking. Now, they tried to give you a little bit of insight. They said that some events will not be live streamed or have question and answer portions. But the events featuring Powell have said that they will not address monetary policy. We'll see about that one. <laughs> In any oh, regards, man. I don't, you think the Fed's coming out. Let's think for a second. Well, Bullard's, look what Bullard say. Policy rate not yet sufficiently restrictive. That's what he's saying right now. Yeah, Fed funds yeah. rate of 5 to 7% may be needed. Yep. Whoa! You mean the Fed didn't pivot on that CPI data? Oh, my goodness. I'm oh, so man. shocked. Well, well, well. I wouldn't go that far either. I think what it is is here is how long 
of the interest rates tail will we go to? Because I'm still in the camp that 50 basis points seems to make more sense in December than the oh, 75. I think, so. I, I, I think it's only going to be 75. At least the slowing down of the pace definitely there. Full pivot still very far down the line, it seems like. All right, just, let's keep going. Let's get into some this, of the stocks today. Let's I'm get into some of the stocks scenario. here. Let's go towards uh, Nvidia. Yeah, let's do it. You let's can go bring stocks. it in. Let's stop you can bring it in with you know Nvidia. What I think about the market. I sell yeah. all rips. It, I on. mean, you you've been yeah, on, it. You've been on it for the last two days. So let's go to Nvidia stocks here. Q3 EPS coming in here at 58 cents, missing the 69 cent estimate. Sales at 5.93 billion, beating the 5.77 billion estimate. Nvidia sees Q4 22 revenues at 6 billion plus or minus 2% versus the 6.09 billion estimate that was pretty much in line there um, where things are looking good data center data center revenues at 3.83 billion up 31% year over year but what happened in that EPS miss while it was a 702 million dollar write down from the A100 chips likely due to the China export ban uh, and then another thing that's not looking good here, some people wanted to point this that it's looking better, but really, I still think this shows weakness here. Gaming revenues uh, fell 23% quarter over quarter and 51% year over year, mainly due to softness in Asia. Um, it's held up well for a long time Man, here, but finally rally. starting to go down. I mean, this quarter was not great. This NVIDIA number was not great. The initial algos hit it, and then they're like, oh, yeah, but we're in silver lining markets where everybody believes in rainbows and candy canes and snowmen. So, I mean, you look here, NVIDIA, the numbers were missed. It flat out missed. And the sales beat, the guidance, you know, you're paying 45 times for a company. That isn't going to grow very much next year. If at all. So I don't know. I don't, like I didn't make any sense to me, but they bought it up because everybody, they, they just buy stocks back up in this market. Eventually you'll break that sentiment again and this will turn into a sell the rip market. So NVIDIA is starting to go down here a bit. Uh, you know what I think. Yeah, they took some profits into the report. Uh, I mean, just, just this huge run ahead of time. Uh, I'm looking at uh, the 159 area. If it comes back to it, uh, bottom of yesterday's range, 58.73, 59.10. So that's that's going to be good resistance. I want to look for any kind of sustained rally until you hold 159. And you know what? Uh, the way this market's moving to the downside, I, I just I'm really not going to go out on it. I mean, I'm not going to say the pre-market low is going to hold. I would just say, you know, if you, I just don't know where to try along in this stock. And, you know, if it was shorting, maybe I would look at that, you know, the daily lows, but there's just not much in here. 154.82, that's your, your four-day low. Let's, uh, let's sneak one more report in there. All right, let's do one more. Let's do Cisco Systems here as their Q1 EPS came in at 86 cents, beating the 84 cent estimate sales at 13.6 billion, beating the 13.31 billion estimate. They did see full year 23 EPS at $3.51 on the low end to a high end of $3.58 versus a $3.53 estimate. More of a value stock. That's Cisco. got obviously that's got, got what's going for it. But you know, 46 here, Joel. I'll just take the technicals away from you on this one. This looks like major resistance to me. I did. 
Yeah, wow. Someone got real excited. Took it over 47, up a buck 50. I'll go with you on that one. This 46 area, uh, we we popped up 40 back uh, November 2nd, and we were back at that area again. Why this got over 47 bucks, I'm not too sure. Um, On the downside, uh, 44. uh, Didn't really breach that, so... 44 to 46, still kind of trading within the range. It's knocking up against 46 here, so let's see if the Bulls can get a 46 bid. Cisco, a lot of times, once it takes, you know, from an earth, whether it's down or up, a lot of times it continues in that direction. So it'd be a good sign for the Bulls to get a cold uh, 46 bucks. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to get into our interviews. It's that time, guys. I know the chat's excited about this. Definitely smash the like button, and let's go ahead. Let's bring on our special guest today. Like always, we super excited to always have on Cameron Dawson. Let's go right into it. Cameron Dawson, Good morning, CFA. Cameron. Good morning, guys. I like the new morning, intro. Cameron. This is cool. <laughs> Got to bring you we're in. Tr- we're trying. A, we're little, trying. A, a, little, a little graphic action. Let's bring you in and let's get right towards the market. I'll let Joel take lead. Go ahead, Joel. You got this. All right. I love your title here. Can, uh, so you're telling me there's a chance. So I don't know <laughs> if you wrote that last night or you wrote that this morning. And uh, your main question is, can we trade uh, above the 200 DMA and still be in a bear market? So uh, I know you do your homework, but uh, the complexion of the market, is, is anything that's changed overnight or is this, uh, is this still, do we still have a chance here? Yeah, well, I we think that the chance is low, but it's something that we should consider simply because it would catch so many people off sides. If we were to trade above that 200 day, you could imagine so many people getting drawn into the market, thinking that the worst was over, waiting back in, and then only to find that you still have some pretty major headwinds from fundamentals, whether it's earnings or valuations. So we need to ask the question before it happens, so that way we can really take a rational view to see if if that valuation is justified and if the earnings are supportive of trading at the levels that would result if we were to go above the 200 day. Now, we thought that in early October that there was enough positioning flush, that positioning was so very light, sentiment was so bearish, that it was enough to support you to moving and rallying off of those early October lows up to 3,900 would be the first level, and then possibly up to that 200 day, which is just shy of 4,100 now, but that the fundamentals wouldn't necessarily support Support you moving much higher because we didn't think that that a pause is the same as the pivot. We didn't think that the Fed wanted to see financial conditions loosen that much because we didn't think that you would see enough softening in inflation data to really justify a major policy shift to more abundant liquidity. So because of that, we still have to acknowledge, though, that there is 
some momentum building in the market coming off of those October lows that there were not quite overbought yet on the S&P. And so you go, look, if we trade above that, do I chase this? Do I say it's the all clear? We're going back into a bull market. Is this all over? And we think the answer is no, because there are parallels back in, in protracted bear markets, mostly in the 2000s, where you got a breather, you traded above that 200 day, and it ended up being the most ultimate bear trap or bull trap, meaning that people thought the worst was over, they bought back in only to have the bear market last an entire another nine months. So this is where the discipline about where valuations are, where earnings are comes in so that we don't chase rallies um, um, as we hit these resistance levels. I mean, this has happened again and again right, this so I just... year. I mean, in 2022 here, we had the, the early, you know, March run where we went from 420 to 460. And everybody's like, oh, here we go, back to all-time highs. And then the rug pull. And then in, in May, same thing. We had a nice rally, nice 10 15% rally. And then the rug pull. And then obviously, you know, we got very oversold back in June. And then we had a ridiculous rally for July and August right up where, oh, yeah, here comes the V bottom. And then another rug pull. I mean, it's one time, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This market's fooled people in 2022 four times now. Trend is your friend here, and the trend mm -hmm. has been to sell the rip. And just the data, sure, you know, we've been looking for a lighter inflation point. We got that. But even to, you know, I just don't think this is enough yet where the Fed's going to say, okay, that's it. We beat inflation. Let's start taking the foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, and there's such a difference between the Fed saying that we can slow the pace of rate hikes and the Fed saying that this market needs more liquidity. Because this market needs more liquidity is what allows you to inflate multiples again on a sustainable basis on PE valuations. So if we look, the reason why we saw huge valuations in 2020, 2021 is because you had this tailwind of liquidity behind you. But then if you look since the early 2022, as liquidity really started to crest and start to decelerate quite materially, you've seen huge deflation in PE multiples. So all of these rallies that we've had year to date have all been multiple driven. They've all actually happened in the backdrop of earnings estimates getting cut. So all of those rallies would tell me that they fall into the camp of hope rallies. And the fact that you haven't seen a change in the liquidity environment to say these, these higher multiples are justified. And you haven't seen a change in the growth environment to say that, okay, the earnings revision down cycle is over and we're starting to see revisions go back higher. All of that would say is that we're stuck in this downtrend. And I, I think that one of the best ways to think about the 200 day moving average is the combination of those earnings and your multiples together. That tells you kind of that medium term trend of the market. And you can oscillate all around that trend. And yeah, you probably shouldn't get too short when you're oversold versus that trend line. Meaning when you're trading down 15 plus percent below your 200 day, it's dangerous business to get too bearish. But when you're bumping up against it with the kind of fundamental headwinds we have, it's very dangerous to get too bullish and chase. All right, so Cameron, we've got what's a it going to take? Sorry, sorry, Joel, Cameron. What what's it going to take for you to you know? And obviously, you've come on this show and you've been correct the whole entire year, saying that hey, nothing has changed here. What's it going to take 
for Cameron Dawson to turn around and say, okay, I see a difference here now. You know, is it the inflation really ticking down? Is it commentary from the Fed? What's it going to take to put you in the bull camp? Oh, yeah. That's a tough question. <laughs> I've been I, thinking I stumped about... her. She's never been stumped before. No, I <laughs> I've stumped been thinking her. about this a lot of, you know, <laughs> what, what excites me going into 2023. And, and obviously there's, there's things within the bond market that you go, okay, I can pick up yield in ways that I haven't been able to. I can actually get returns from a yield basis without having to take on nearly as much risk. There's things that are exciting there. But when we think about shifting to an equity bull case, I think that obviously the the most Goldilocks scenario in all of this is that inflation goes away on its own and you see just the math effect of very tough comps going into 2023 from the year over year basis. And you see all of the pandemic effects of goods prices start to go away and that all somehow as goods prices fall, goods demand stays very strong. So we still have strong economic growth and you get that proverbial soft landing and at that point, you go, okay, maybe earnings numbers could actually grow a bit in 2023. And so you kind of, maybe that's the that's the case where you start to turn more bullish. But, you know, I, I do think when we, when, we, when we looked at markets in early October, um, in late September, one of the things that happened is we hit that 200-week moving average. And I put a, a note out that week talking about thoughts when staring into the abyss because the market was just gapping down and it was ugly. And we actually have been telling clients to start picking up uh, equities at those valuations at that 3,500 level, meaning that it may not be the ultimate low. And you know they always say nobody's going to ring a bell at the bottom, but that's where we thought the risk reward was starting to look more attractive from a longer term perspective, looking at one year plus, two years plus. And that also keeps us from getting too scared, meaning that if we we want to make sure we're not selling into that 3,500 kind of puke days that we got. And so that discipline around saying, look, if we have these big down days and if we're being oversold now versus trend, we've been in this bear market for 11 months. So the other thing that makes me more can make me more bullish is just time itself. That's the hardest thing about bear markets is the time factor. The magnitude right. um, is, is a challenge and a problem, but it's that death by a thousand cuts that does get people to eventually give up on the asset class, to sell their holdings, to get rid of all of their margin debt and just go, I can't take it anymore. And that's, I think, the first conversation we had all the way back in February, which is that you know, people go, OK, we're down 10 percent. Every down 10 percent has been something that's viable. Can, you know, why can't we buy this? And the reason we said we couldn't buy this is because we were we were worried that there simply wasn't enough uh, deterioration in the sentiment and that we saw so much more need for positioning to catch up uh, with with the reality that we were going into a much weaker market. So got a couple slides here. Uh, one is uh, we're talking about uh, the 200 day DMA. And the, the thing that concerns me about this one is uh, you can see that red circle over there. And that was back in uh, 2001. And we know we, uh, we had 9-11 uh, and events that took place there. We're back at that area now. So let's say we're ruling out the, uh, the upside for now. Uh, based on this chart here, I mean, there's some downside. 
how far, I mean, if we get things going in the other direction, I mean, how far beyond 3,500 uh, do you think we can go? And then uh, just, you know, given the bad and then look at the, look at the good here and try and look at the, the small caps who are doing the thing. Is this just a sing, a signal to investors that this rotation that started is just here to stay? Well, look, I, I think that that one of the most um, important things for investors or traders, uh, a great tool uh, is is just looking at where you trade versus your 200 day. And you can just take the current price level, divide it by the 200 day moving average. And that's what I show in these charts on the bottom chart of on each slide, which is just the distance you are from your 200 day. And what that does is it takes a reality gut check and and look at this with the Russell 2000. So we're trading right about at our 200 day right now. It looks like we're losing steam. If we roll over at this I, at, at this level, um, meaning that the, the Russell really can't break through that 200 day, I think it says a lot about the S&P's ability to, the NASDAQ's ability to, because small caps typically are higher risk, higher beta. But go back to early 2021, when the Russell 2 was trading an entire 40% above its 200-day moving average. This was the peak of the retail stock boom, peak of the meme stock boom that really dominated some of the Russell 2 index during that time. But it is such an important thing to appreciate that when you get that extended above trend, it takes you years to work through that overboughtness, that extension above trend. Something similar happened in the two, early in the early 2000s, late 1990s. And you see that the more extended you are going into a down cycle, the harder it is for you get to get back to prior highs. And the NASDAQ here, just following up on that, that's still 8, 8% below the, uh, the 200 DMA. So... This looks like it's just like a, another turn here um, in the markets. As far as uh, as far as sectors go, I mean, is there really anywhere to hide? We talk about you know the Tina trade uh, being over. Um, you know, cash is you know not trash now. Uh, you think that that's just another factor? You know, leading into the market that uh, you know there are other alternatives out there. Yeah, I think competition for capital is now a real thing. It hasn't been a thing for years. And if we think the, about the whole reason why we did QE, it's to push people out the risk curve, right? You depress the rate that they can earn risk-free, so they have to take more risk. That effectively pushes up prices for risk assets and buoys the wealth effect, which is eventually supposed to cause an increase in inflation and, and, and demand that can save the economy. The exact opposite is happening now. When you do QT, you get pulled back in from the risk curve. So that's why we see the riskiest, most speculative parts of the market failing, like innovation stocks, like crypto. But what ends up happening is that your normal stocks, when we think of a valuation standpoint, you go, well, if I can get 4% plus on two-year treasury or nearly 5%, why, why am I paying a getting only a 5% earnings yield on equities? All of a sudden, there is competition for you in your asset allocation. So the fact that equities are still trading at such high valuations 
would tell us that that really hasn't been fully reflected yet in this environment. Now, when you ask Joel about sectors, I think the thing people have to be very careful with is chasing very defensive sectors. They've clearly broken down over the past week in this big beta rally, but things like staples and utilities can be very, very dangerous at turns in the market. Everybody floods into them in a safety trade, but what ends up happening is that on the other side of the safety trade, you give up all of your relative performance that you got when the market was was in a, in in a down cycle. So the better thing if you're looking for safety is more cash and short-term debt instruments instead of trying to just hide out in utes and staples because you're you're just you give back all of that outperformance. So instead in defensives we've been focusing on healthcare it's had kind of bouts of, of really strong performance um, and then gives it up. But we think over the next cycle, healthcare is in a much better position. I think the one area where people should be careful is in the tech trade, because if you look and I don't have it, I didn't include a chart of it, but tech on a relative basis has really been breaking down. Now, we've seen a reversion in some of this performance over the last week uh, uh, there we have seen things like tech do a lot better than healthcare just because you had a momentum reversion but i think that if we look at the next cycle that's where we have to be careful in thinking that tech can be the same kind of leader it was in the prior cycle simply because tech was the ultimate beneficiary of ultra loose liquidity in the prior cycle i don't know if that necessarily repeat, repeats in a world where liquidity isn't quite as abundant Uh-oh. Oh, sorry, okay. I was supposed to go. I was distracted <laughs> with the jobless claims coming in. I'm okay. like, holy mackerel, jobless claims just came in. So Mitch, give us that number. But uh, just taking it back here, Cameron, um, I'm, I'm with you on the Tina trade. I was tweeting this out two days ago. I took a lot of heat for it, but uh, people say, well, I don't want 5% of my money because inflation's 8%. So what about the argument that with inflation at 8%, that 5% interest rate just isn't that attractive and people still have to stay in stocks because that's what they're arguing to me is that you're, you're guaranteed losing you know on these five percent investments or four and a half in the u.s five percent in other countries we're going to five percent in the u.s does that have any you know weight here or is it still people are still just attracted to the five percent dividend regardless of it or five percent interest rates regardless of inflation yeah, you know, when we think about our asset allocations, and maybe this is the best way to to think of it, because we we try to take a institutional sort of approach to asset allocations. So we update our capital market assumptions and put them into this great fund model and have it spit out. And essentially, at the margin, the fact that you can get higher yields on less risky assets allows you, if you think about it from that combination of return and volatility, it essentially allows you to meet what whatever return target you have without having to take as much volatility risk with equities. Now, is there more upside in equities uh, over the next 10 plus years? Of course there is, because that's the, that's the return profile of equities. You take more risk, you get more return. And so this is not an all out to say, you know, get rid of all of your stocks and just go into 5% um, uh, yielding short-term bonds. But it's to say at the margin, people don't have to take as much risk in order to get their return targets, which means at the margin, 
valuations for equities likely should be lower. And I think the context of this is important, which is that what that means is that getting back to 4,800 in the prior all-time high is going to take time. It's going to be a tough process because we went into that peak at 22 times earnings on cycle high EPS numbers. And anytime you put a peak multiple on peak earnings, it's really hard to get good returns. So what we saw going in into the, the 2000 cycle, you were trading at 28 times going into 0809, you were trading at, I think, like 18, 19 times. But when you think that the higher valuation you go into a down cycle, the longer it takes for you to get back because you essentially have to grow back into that valuation because you don't have the benefit of bubble-like multiples. You have to grow into it through EPS. And I think that's the real challenge is that we will have to have multiple years in order to get back up to an EPS level that just gets you to a valuation that is reasonable from a long-term average perspective. And that's assuming and, uh, the looking, Fed doesn't flood the zone with liquidity and we go back to silly season. Well, there you go. Right. That's always going back to well. uh, going back to the liquidity and it doesn't look, I mean, unless I'm looking at uh, your leading indicators that point to a 2023 earnings decline, that, that scenario that you talked about, it doesn't seem like you're optimistic that that's going to be happening in uh, 2023, right? perhaps moving it on to 2024, 2025, or is that a little bit too pessimistic? Yeah, we, we could be in a period, sort of a breather period of uh, when we're not quite seeing the signs of an imminent recession in the first half of 2023, but we see weakness mm-hmm. kind of brewing in the back half of 2023, which then allows you to see this breather in markets like we've had. Um, now, of course, if if the Fed comes out and kind of smacks people um, right and says, you know, you probably shouldn't trade night you trade at 19 times earnings, then that's a bit of a different story. But I think the right range of the number to use for earnings next year is that gut check is somewhere between $200 a share, which is 10% down, very mild recession, nothing, um, you know, it's about half of the of the median decline of 20%. So it would it's not an aggressive assumption that gets you $200 a share. And then on the optimistic scenario, you would assume something that's close to flat, that's $220 a share. And flat is consistent with non-recessionary bear, uh, tightening cycles, meaning the last times the Fed tightened and we didn't have a recession, 2015, 2018, the next year, earnings were flat. So if you then think $220 a share is about flat, then you can look at 4100 4, and go, okay, well, then why would I pay ni- nearly 19 times for those earnings? And I think that's where that reality comes in again, and that's the driver of that 200-day moving average. So overall, there's still headwinds to valuations. There's still headwinds to earnings. Can you see divergences from that in the short run because of, of trading and technicals? Of course you can. But the the reality of these headwinds starts to set in. And you know, is $200 a share too optimistic? I think it depends on how much truly how much contagion there is from housing into the rest of the economy. 
We don't know yet. We know that there's caution. lots of signs. What is it? Caution with a little bit of optimism. Okay. That, that's the way I'm going to interview Cameron Dawson, Chief Advanced. Investment Officer Edge Wealth joining us here in pre-market prep. Much much appreciated, and uh, perhaps we'll dial you up after the new year. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cameron. All right, all right. Uh, we got a little pop off that number. Yeah, let's get into it, those. And then numbers. it gave it back immediately. Of course, it literally know. popped for less than a minute. That rip lasted less than a minute. We got up, was... we kissed up to almost like three ninety two on the spy. And then they just get right back. So, and, All right. and what is the catalyst for today? Like, do we really have, you know, let's just take it back to today's action. We're down 45 no. handles. Why? Well, I, mean, I, I, other I, than I kept saying, right, well, where are, the, where are some of the things that could take us down? Well, one of the things yeah. was Fed talk, right? And it seems like at least that's what that's the main every, every, everybody's saying that that's the reason that we're going down again. So, well, there you have it. Fed taking us down again. It, and what are they doing? Super- they're tampering our expectations. That's what I feel like they're doing. They're trying to tamper the expectations to the upside. Because, of course, it seems like every time we get a little bit of a rally, all the bulls come out and they're like, yeah, we got this. And yeah. then we, we, we get rudely awakening when we start seeing the down action coming right back towards us. Uh, let's give those numbers. U.S. initial jobless claims came in at 222,000 versus 225,000 estimates. So not going in the right direction there for the jobless claims. Continuously uh, continuing jobless claims came in at 1.5, uh, 1.507 million versus 1.5 million. So that's at least a little bit better there. Um, October housing starts came in a little bit above the estimate there. Now, where I think we got hit hard was the Philly Fed manufacturing index coming in at a negative 19.4 versus a negative 6.2 estimate there. So uh, Philly Fed manufacturing index not coming in good here and definitely leading down a little bit more of this downturn. I mean, it's Fed speak, though. You know, and my question was a bit rhetorical when I was asking you there, Mitch, but it's Fed speak. You know, we've got Fed. And there's 10 of them today already. And it's irrational to think that they're going to say, yeah, we love that CPI data. We love that PPI data. And we are now looking not to tighten as hard. That goes the exact opposite to what they're trying to accomplish. So you've got to like, trading is about putting yourselves in other people's heads sometimes. And sometimes in the Fed speak, if you can just think, you know, logically what they're likely to say, there's very little likelihood they were going to pivot last month. There's very little likelihood they're going to indicate a pivot here yet because it goes exact opposite to what they're trying to accomplish. So even if they're thinking pivot, they're probably not going to act like they're thinking pivot. So we can call their bluff. Maybe the market will call their bluff today. Maybe they'll buy this pullback. But it's hard to just come in here rah-rah bullish after just one data point. We just rally too much. Bottom line, we rally too much. Yeah, and then I, I still think that we didn't get a true negative catalyst to take us down, right? This is kind of more the headwinds coming back into play. And so at least in that end, I'm not feeling too negative about the markets. But also when we see these turns, it just goes to show us that it's not just going to be an easy ride up. Um, we'll see what happens today. I think that you'll see some pullbacks. And now we need to see if they're able to catch some pullback and actually get some lift. 
certain areas that we'll be looking for some pullbacks. Let's get into certain stocks. We still got some sure. more earnings to roll through. Yep. Um, <clears throat> let's go to BJ's. Uh, BJ's didn't have bad report there. Let's go towards that one first. We're going to try to fly through some of these earnings and then we can go also into certain areas that we're looking towards towards the bell. Got about 20 minutes. Let's keep it rolling here. BJ's wholesales came in at a Q3 adjusted EPS at 99 cents, beating the 81 cent estimate sales at 4.79 billion, beating 4.69 billion estimate. BJ's wholesales club raised full year EPS outlook to a high end of $3.80 versus a $3.30 estimate. This goes Some to show us. Retailers. <clears throat> B- BJ again. It's 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 kind of a, a, a stock that actually does well when times get tough. Just like Costco, some of these hold up well. People are buying a bulk. They obviously got to buy food still. You can pass on the cost, you know, the inflation cost, which we've seen again and again. The grocery stores can pass it on more easily because people still are going to buy their food. Even though it went up 30% or 20% or, or 8%, which is a lie in the first place, um, they can pass that on to consumers. Certain things are sticky, and certain things, obviously, you can't pass on. So discretionary purchases are going to suffer. Grocers still do well during this time. BJ is close to an all-time high here, Joel. Impressive. It is. It it just made a new all-time high. Uh, You got a seller lurking at 82 uh, as we speak. That's where it went up to the headline numbers. So if you're looking for more upside, just uh, be aware. Seller at 82, 81.97 is your pre-market high. And then let, let's forget about the gap, but let's, let's look at uh, the former all-time high. We're right here right now, 80.30, 80.41. So if the Bulls can uh, establish a bid, hold this 80.40 area, why not go up and uh, challenge that pre-market high? Uh, if you're looking for a gap fill, the top of yesterday's range is 79.38. Go to Macy's here. Let's go to Macy's Q3 EPS at 52 cents, beating the 19 cent estimate here. Um, and sales at 5.23 billion, beating the 5.2 billion estimate. Macy's reaffirmed annual sales guidance, raised full year 22 EPS guidance from $4 on the low end. And four dollars and twenty cents on the high end now to four dollars and seven cents to four dollars and twenty-seven cents. So there you guys see it not looking the best there. They kind of changed it up. I mean, they raised the lower end there by seven cents, higher end by seven cents. They're trying to make it sound good. Yeah, they, that's um, exactly the, the report what it was is. fine. Uh the one thing is I'm gonna say it's confusing to say the least. The retail earnings season we had Walmart, which is pretty good. Target was a disaster. Yes. Kohl's doesn't look good here, although they slightly beat. Macy's looked pretty good. I mean, we've had mixed results here coming out of the retailers, which is very interesting. So the consumer, I think, what you're really seeing is that the consumer is just starting, starting to feel strapped for cash. So certain businesses are hitting hit before other ones. I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe Walmart, obviously, is always going to do well, even you know in a recession where Target maybe is seen as a little more upscale than Walmart. Not a lot, but a little bit more. So maybe that consumer that shops goes to Walmart when they're searching for cash and not so much Target. But Macy's is an upscale department store. So with them still doing fairly well, then that makes me think that the recession really hasn't shown up there yet. So the big question still, though, is, is the recession coming? Are we in it? Or is it not going to come at all and they're going to get a soft landing? I don't think soft landing is even possible. 
So I think the Fed will continue to tighten until we start to see our corporate earnings start to come down, which is not good for stocks. That's why I, I'm still staying in the bear camp here. But Macy's, I mean, can't argue with the numbers. They're actually pretty good. Yeah, Macy's, uh, this is setting up really nice from a technical perspective because you did have the nice pop that took you to 2180. And that's been an area of contention going back back since August. You had a high at 21.73. A little bit more recently, you had a high at 21.78. And just two days ago, 21.70. So you backed off there. Really important for the Bulls to get it back up there, get bid above 21.70. Could easily get a gap fill uh, in this one. 20.81 was the top of yesterday's range. So that's only 20 cents away. But you can see the way it's reacted. The last three times it's got up in the upper 21 handle. Let's see if the, these earnings are enough to get it bid above that level, get some higher prices. Also on the monthlies, this is uh Shaking early too, so keep an eye on that 2180 area. When we get into Kohl's, I don't know if it's a good thing, but definitely doesn't sound like a good thing that they're withdrawing no. its prior full year 22 guidance and also not providing guidance going forward. <clears throat> um, so Q3 EPS here at 82 cents beat the 78 cent estimate, sales at 4.28 billion beat the 4.06 billion estimate. They did state that significant macroeconomic headwinds along with the unexpected CEO transition affected the company. I'm still on Kohl's. I considered selling it two days ago. I just had had such a run and I'm like, you know what? This is a bad deal, a bad, bad trade, obviously. I think I had bought like 37 or $38. Uh, I might have been higher than that. It might have been 40 And, you know, that was times were different then. And I'm like, it's come back from 25 to 32. I was like getting half the losses back. I'm like, I probably should eat this. And then I didn't. I sold some different stuff. So, uh, you know, I still, when we went to 4,000 on the S&P, I was, you know, lightening up like I tweeted out there. Wish I would have sold this one. Came close to getting out of my micron too, Joel. I came within, I was selling it at 64.90 in the long-term account. I wasn't paying attention. I got up that two days ago to 64.44 and then the complete rug pull. So I'm like, are you kidding me? So, I mean, this just seems to be that market. You're close to getting out, and then it gets you again. So been a terrible, terrible year for investing. All right, let's go to the uh, next one here. This one is giving you a nice little lift. Let's go to Bath & Body Works. BBWI, this is one that we don't talk about often. It was making moves this morning. EPS at 40 cents beat the 20 cent estimate. Sales at 1.6 billion beat the 1.55 billion estimate. Bath and Body Works sees Q4 at $1.45 on the low end to $1.65 versus the $1.55 cent estimate and raise full year 22 EPS guidance. Just a gift. Just a gift. That's all I'll say. It's a gift. My opinion. Yeah, you got the Tuchel 39 no, no and then uh irrational exuberance this thing got i to... would sell it my opinion i would sell it we'll have to see what happens there it looks like joel you're cutting in and out a little bit yeah, there Joel's but let's keep you guys hear really me at all here today yeah we joel, hear you joel you're just coming in and out happens. some but no yeah, worries. Let's just keep rolling. In and out. So we're gonna we're gonna short Comcast. You're gonna give them a call. We're gonna give them hell because this is a couple days here now. I know they're doing upgrades in your neighborhood. Um, I know some people are saying you cut the Cameron Dawson interview shorts because you couldn't hear her on the internet side. So I mean, it's uh, 
Um, you know, it's struggling. It's struggling, obviously. I don't know what's going the on. Last couple of days. So Joel's going to get his internet figured out here, hopefully in the next couple of days. Uh, but you know, we can continue on here. Me and Money Mitch have good internet. Although I have Rogers. Rogers has picked it up here. Picked up the slack lately. Don't worry, I have Comcast, so we'll know if we really need to get short or not. <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's take a look at uh, Place. This is one that we don't talk about often. Uh, children's Place, right? And let's take a look here. Holy. At, uh, looks like uh, this one got hit hard. I don't. I don't even. I don't ever talk about this one. I don't think we ever do. But no, we don't. Uh, EPS at three dollars and thirty three cents misses three dollars and seventy three cent estimate. Sales at five hundred nine point one million beat the four hundred ninety nine point four four million estimate. Oh, down ten percent. Let me my charts here. 30 bucks. I think you've come this far. $30, $29.20, The stores, you know, yeah, you go in there in the mall based, obviously. I've been in those stores before when I had the smaller kids or when my kids were a little bit younger. It's basically toddler clothes for the most part, most of the stuff in there, anyways. I, I think you got support 29 to 30. I don't see any reason to be a hero here at jumping at 32. PLCE is the tickers there. So you guys can check that one out if you want to take a look at that. Um, and uh, just to leave off on a good old favorite, what about Kathy Woods uh, adding to Tesla? She said, I'm not done yet. I want to add some more Tesla. I need more Tesla here. Uh, Arc Invest bought over uh, 3,800 shares of Tesla on Wednesday at an estimated value of 700,000. Of course, she had added some more in the last few months. Um, now, one thing that I saw in that same uh, report that came from Benzinga was this is an interesting one. And I think you're going to think this is interesting too, Dennis. On yep. Wednesday, James Murdoch, a Tesla director, testified in court on Wednesday and said that Elon Musk in the last month has identified someone as a potential successor to lead the company. That was reported by Reuters. That's why the stock was getting hit. <clears throat> I don't know if there's any truth to that whatsoever. A potential successor doesn't mean a successor is imminent either. I think people are yeah. like, oh my goodness, he's jumping ship and just running Twitter. I'm going to leave <laughs> Tesla to the wall. I'll tell you one thing. I don't think that's the case. If that did happen, I don't know about Tesla's price. The problem with Tesla, one, is this stock has not participated in the recent rally whatsoever. Why? Because it's a nosebleed valuation. And, and, and so there's, you know, and the second reason is if you're going into a recession, the high, the rich people are still going to buy Teslas, but all those middle class that were buying Teslas, like hold the press, I'm going to hold off on that Tesla purchase. I'm a little bit tight for cash right now. So I think you're going to see Tesla get dinged here coming up the consumer is going to get strapped and the average person is not going to buy in a tesla maybe they never were but there was the middle class that was trading up when times were good and saying yeah i can afford that tesla well they can't all of a sudden so the rich people are still going to buy teslas but the middle class maybe is not as much so just as much as i don't want to own gm and ford i don't want to own tesla's nosebleed valuations because you start to see those car sales start to come in a little bit that growth start to slow and all of a sudden, that multiple will contract even further. There's a reason this is not participating in the recent rally. You can say it's Twitter, and maybe he's given too much of his attention over there. But there's also a concern here uh, coming into a recession. Tesla, I don't know how well it's going to perform. Yeah, I think that's uh, crazy that James put out that news. I don't know if he was 
you know, he was testifying in court. So I don't know if that was a specific question that was asked to him and he was forced to answer there. But I'm sure Elon gave him a call and was like, man, you shouldn't have said that one probably. But uh, let's go ahead. We'll see what happens to Tesla today. Also, ARK, uh, ARKF Innovation ETF, the fintech one, and um, the ARKK bought shares in coin and Silvergate Capital. What do you feel about this? This is what she does, though. She's the ultimate buy the dipper. She, the problem is she buys the dip on everything that's just trending down. <laughs> so we like to buy the dip on stocks trending up, not on stocks trending down. But she yeah, comes in. Man. She's all about – she's sticking to her theme. She's all about innovation. We're all going to transact in crypto. We're all going to drive Teslas. And we're all going to use Zoom video forever, which isn't true. It isn't the case. She's been dead wrong the entire year, obviously punished for it severely and rightfully so. So I don't know, like, obviously, it was a pretty good week and a half for ARK when they went down from the lows just five days ago, basically 20% rally here in four days, given half of it back. Maybe, you know, 35, maybe take a shot, 34, 35. Do we have the Santa Claus still coming to town possibility? Yeah. But again, I don't know if I want to invest along with her strategy. So there's other places I'd rather be. I think on yeah. the pullback, I still think value names. I still think some of the drug stocks that were pulling back here a couple days ago. I still think we're not out of the woods. So if that's why I'm not huge on buying the dip here, even though we're 120 points, 110 points down from where I was selling cues two days ago. I almost feel like I should just rebuy them, but I think I think there's still more pain ahead long term. I think it was more just lighten up. We're not out of the woods, in my opinion. Maybe we are. Maybe the worst is behind us. I'm not convinced yet, though. We'll have to we'll have to see what happens today. Definitely, it's going to be an interesting day. Certain areas. Let's talk through uh, certain sectors and get your outlook. Utilities. How do you feel about utilities? I'd sell them all because sell them all. To Cameron Let's... Dawson's point to my own point here. They've done well because they're defensive. They've held up okay. But again, why am I going in XLU with a 2.98% dividend and very little mm -hmm. growth when I can get 5% in cash? So let's take my argument, my tweet, you know, that 2,000, you know, um, people interacting or more than that. I mean, at 2,000 likes, there's all kinds of interactions with it. But let's take that tweet and just redo a bit of it. You know, let's just say, you know, just hypothetically here, forget about, you know, stocks altogether trading 19 times earnings. Why am I buying a utility stock trading 19, 20 times earnings with little growth? Exactly. That is totally teen as if it can affect those stocks. So the recent rally in utilities from 60, the XLU from 60 to 68, I believe is a gift. I mean, yeah. preferred stocks as well. The PFF, you can look at this thing. It's come up off the lows because, yeah, oh, the Fed's going to pivot. Are they? I mean, at least the PFF has a 5.28% dividend, so it's a little bit better than the XLU. But I think if you're going to be in stocks, I'd rather be in stocks with growth then, if that's the case, as opposed to just sitting here defensively. If you want to play defense, play it in cash, not utilities. Just my opinion. What about consumer defensives? And then when we start looking at grocery stores, packaged foods, food distribution stocks, what about those types yeah. of names? Looks like discount names. Uh, it's been a mixed bag that we've been receiving. Of course, BJ's up today, but Target got targeted. And Walmart showed us why they are Walmart, right? Why they're low prices. Different stocks, though. Mention, yeah, and you know, those stocks. are ones we're going to keep saying that people shop more at Walmart when they're hurting for cash. They don't stop mm -hmm. shopping. People still have to eat. They still have to wear clothes. They start wearing those George clothes or whatever it is, the brand from Walmart. 
they they stepped down. So, I mean, that's good news for Walmart. Sometimes a stock like Walmart can hold up very well during a recession. So I'm in the camp that we're still going into a recession. I just don't think it's here yet. I think it's taking time. I think the consumer has been living on credit here for the last couple of months. Credit card debt has soared. We have seen that. I think the coming recession, I think we'll probably get through the season. You know, it's going to be an okay season because people are still trying to find the cash. But I think come January next year, if the interest rates are still up here, people will be like, ugh. You know, I'm going to just sit back here and, and, you know, not spend as much. And then then you start to see the recession start to hit. So I don't think they can do a soft landing here. Stocks like Walmart hold up better if we get into that situation. You can argue the utilities do too. I'm just arguing why own a utility if you own cash. So I'm like, I don't see any point owning the utilities at this point in time. Will they hold up better than growth stocks if we go into a recession? Yes, they will. But I just think if I'm going to hold a utility stock, I might as well just hold cash right now. Because it used to be in utilities because I got 5, 5% on some of these stocks when I was getting 1% in cash. Now I get 5% in cash. I'm still getting that 5% in those utilities. I'd rather be in cash. So right now, caution. I'm still cautious. Even though we're pulling back, um, you know, maybe we can stabilize here. Should we talk the S&P? Like maybe we can find a level here. We pull back to 380 on SPY as a day trader. I think maybe I start diving back in again because we were overbought. Mm-hmm. We get back to 380. We're kind of getting into that middle ground here again. I think that's maybe where we're heading. It's not a bad area to look. Let's look at what areas might be turning around also. One area that I feel like, it, yeah, definitely starting to show some weakness is in oil. And I'm seeing uh, WTI down there towards around 83. So the oil stocks, I have a feeling we're starting to see that turnaround from the top. You can see XOM tried to get through that high multiple times around the 114.50. Started to turn around now. We'll see if these actually start pulling back. They've been on a massive run, right, since October pretty much. Is this starting to be the turnaround in some of these oil names? Just be careful. You guys can see also Oxy coming down there. Uh, So it looks to me like the oil names are finally pulling back. You might have been a little early, Dennis, but they're still coming back. I'm early. Yeah, I've been way too early. I've been wrong on the oil trade the whole year. So I keep thinking the recession is going to hit the oil stocks, and it hasn't. Recession comes, the oil stocks get hit too. Don't kid yourself. But, I mean, oil has held up well. It's the whole reason the S&Ps are where they are. This rally has been driven on energy and drugs. And, you know, not the rally from the last week, but the rally overall from the last month really has been energy. The ExxonMobil looks toppy again, but every time you think it's topping out, it turns around and takes out resistance. So... I, I, I don't want to own them. I don't own any of them, but I've been wrong about it. So I don't know if you want to listen to me on energy stocks. All right. And uh, what about financials? I'm starting to look for them to start coming down after a big run, uh, especially since October. Like JPM has been up, what, it got towards the high there, about 33% run. So, uh, yeah. What about the financials? Do you feel no, like this has gone way too far? Way too far. Goldman Sachs trading up 382. Like well, I don't, I don't get it at all either. So I know I'm still on the Bank of Nova Scotia because a catch-up trade because it really hasn't, you know, it hadn't run like that. But yeah. I don't know, I don't get it. Goldman Sachs 290 to 390. I mean, Goldman Sachs is pricing in like there is no recession coming. The things here are an all-time high. If I own Goldman Sachs, I would sell it as quickly as I possibly could because I believe we're still going in a recession. But if you're buying Goldman up here, you're saying soft landing. You're saying we're not going into recession. You're saying good times are going to be coming here again. Investment banking earnings are going to go up. They're going to kill it on every front. I don't understand it whatsoever. I think the recent 100-point rally is a gift. I would sell it as quickly as I could. Just my opinion. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, I remember on Monday when Citi started the downgrade of Bank of America. Ever since then, it started showing up in the kind of the industry. You started seeing the pullback. We'll see what happens to these banks if they continue coming down today. And even, you know, an area like uh, industrials, we talked about CAT, right? It had made a huge run. Now this could pull back, right? I think that, you know, you started seeing some pullback come in yesterday. I think this comes back here. I would be looking for the kind of the trend line to come into play, longer term trend line, uh, you know, back towards around maybe 215, 210 oh, area. But that's a pretty so ways far. away. Yeah, 228, What's 230. Mitch, I don't get cat. I don't get a lot. Of, like I, I get the value it, thing. It ran with deer. It just followed deer. I think it just followed deer because deer it's just low so P, lower PE. They yeah, were just, just buying everything deer. low PE. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was about PE. the stock. It was just about the financials. It wasn't about the story in these stocks. It was literally the financials made sense to investors, and I think they're starting to rotate out of it though. So that's where we got to be a little. All bit these careful. stocks with low. All the stocks with low PEs. Are just people are just hungry for low PEs, and we've mm -hmm. been on this too. I just think they're way overdone now. I mean, I like the banks, you know, with yeah. the with the PEs they had a month ago, but this yeah. move is incredible. JP Morgan's up thirty percent a month. I mean, holy mackerel! These are huge moves. Goldman Sachs up basically thirty percent, twenty five percent a month. Look at this I mean, one. These are like Caterpillar is up what one sixty to two forty. I mean, it's a fifty percent a month and a half. Yep. This is like peak PCAR. You're just showing them all. I mean, yeah. there's so many of these things that are just maybe just way overdone. All-time highs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people are flocking. I think they've sold all their – I think they didn't want to – I think they wanted to be in stocks. I think they sold all the growthy names, and then they were just buying into value. you got to get in low P stocks. I think it's way overdone now. I would not buy them now. I'd buy them a month ago. I would not buy them now. Right now, I'm just selling stocks. People ask, what am I buying? I've been selling because some of these stocks just went way too far, way too fast. Yeah, we'll just have to see what's going on there with these stocks. Uh, FTX uh, also was looking to see if maybe we'd get a gap fill. Yeah, we got some of it to fill, but it wasn't going all the way up there. It's starting to turn right back down there. Uh, and we'll see what happens to those names. Uh, now technology, of course, right? I think that's the big question. Technology was starting to get a little bit of a pushback. We saw already how NVIDIA is coming down here. Does it mean that, you know, tech just starts turning around? Like that TSM down gap, oh, that just looks juicy for me. Uh, but we'll see what, what happens there in a stock like TSM that had a huge gap up earlier in the week. Well, that started to fill the well, gap. Well, that was the Buffett the gap. Everybody yeah. punished for chasing Warren Buffett. I mean, again, what you have to understand is when you're coming in these 13Fs, you're like, oh, Warren's buying. How can I go wrong? I just do it, Warren. Well, Warren bought a lot cheaper than you just did. It went up 10% on Warren. It was a crazy move. Up 10% on Warren. So it pulls back, maybe gets down to the low 70s, maybe a strike. But again, you know me, you know me and you were still scared of the whole Taiwan situation, so we stayed out of this one. Yeah. It's just easier places to be. So Taiwan Semiconductor was, you know, just a mess up until about eight days ago. So I don't know. Pull back 50% retracement of the move, get back 72, 73. Maybe it gets interesting. This looks hop, like though. a gift to me, also. Meta, yeah. but we'll, we'll get you out of here. Dennis, we'll let you go. Yeah, I got to hop. I'm fighting this cold. I'm trying to trade. Um, I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know if it's another cold. I have no idea. Hard to stay healthy, uh, it seems like this year. So we're trying. Kids probably killing me, bringing stuff home from school. So, anyways, hey. have a great day, everyone. Feel uh, better, Dennis. Have a good trading day.
All right, we'll get Dennis out of here, guys. I will let you guys know that we are putting out a form for feedback. So one of the things that we want to do, like always, is give you guys an opportunity to let us know what you guys like about Benzinga, what you guys don't like, what shows do you want to see more of, right? What do you want us to improve on? Feedback is so important and realize this, that we're all about the feedback. So if you want to see improvements or you have an opinion about Benzinga TV, well, hit that form link that I just put up and you don't have to drop an email. You don't have to drop a name. You can do it completely anonymously. I did, I'm not trying to collect emails here. What I'm trying to do is really get your feedback out there, team. So if you can do me the favor, hit that link, drop some quick feedback. Don't I have to even answer every question? Didn't make it a requirement. I want it to be something that actually truly benefits you for taking the time doing the form. So go ahead and hit that form. Now up next, we're going to get you to some live trading action. Guys want to go ahead and see how we trade? Well, come on over to live trading. And then of course, after that, we got Benzing Alive and Stock Market Movers. Let's get right to it. Hit the thumbs up and let's go to Benzinga TV and hit that form. Let's see what your feedback is. Let's keep going right here on Benzinga. 